You may be seated. Well, good morning again, community of grace. It is so good to be with you this morning. I also want to greet those who are watching in our fellowship hall this morning. May God's peace and presence truly be with you today. I want to extend that welcome once again to those who might be here for the first time or who are perhaps returning to church here at Community of Grace. Perhaps you've attended some other place at some other time or you're just making your way back to church. I'm so glad you're here and I hope that you feel at home here. You know, it just so happens that today is a Sunday called Back to Church Sunday. It's being celebrated in churches all across the United States. It happens every year on the third Sunday of September, and I've always found it a little bit curious, that particular title. I mean, those who are a part of a church family and have been for many years, you kind of get it, right? Oftentimes, this time of year is the time where things get restarted again, where we come back from our summer vacations, from our time away, and we make our way back to church, bringing our children back into children's ministry, getting our youth and teenagers signed up for refuge and their opportunity to grow in the faith. We sign up for Bible studies. We get connected once again with one another and come with hearts ready to worship and serve Jesus. That's what it's meant to mean. But the reality of it is, it's come to mean something else too. It's come to be a plea from the church. Come back. Come back to church. Come and be with us. And there's a reality behind that, my friends, and that is this. In this day and age, fewer and fewer and fewer people are making their way back to church. We have to own that as followers of Jesus. We must recognize it. We must commit our hearts even more and more to following and loving Jesus, but also to learn, discern, and understand the importance of coming together in corporate worship and the places where perhaps we have failed to bring that good news and message to those around us and the importance of worshiping Jesus. Yes, friends, if you are here today, welcome home. We're glad you're here as we start a new series, Jesus at Home, because that's what we're talking about in this season. We're talking about how Jesus came to make himself at home in the hearts and lives of people, people like you and me, but also how Jesus invites us to be at home with him wherever he makes his way. We see the stories throughout Scripture, and we're going to be working our way through those stories in this season, seeing the places where Jesus made himself a welcoming place for others to come and be at home with him, but where he also moved into people's lives, speaking truth to them, showing grace and love to them, and making a home in their hearts. That's where we will be beginning this season of life together in a new sermon series entitled Jesus at Home. And today we want to talk about one of the first places that Jesus makes himself at home. And it should come as no surprise because it's in the passage that we have just been reading. It's from Luke chapter 2 verses 41 
through 50. It's on page 1503 in the Pew Bibles. If you would like a Bible, please just raise your hand if you'd like to follow along with us. We'd be happy to hand those Bibles out to you. It's on page 1503 that this passage comes to us from, from Luke chapter 2. And it's an interesting passage, and I want to highlight a little bit of the story for you here today. Of course, it is the story of Jesus and his family making their way to the temple. And there's something important to be heard just in these very first few words. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Why is that important? Because, friends, Jesus was not a Christian. Wow, silence. What do I mean Jesus was not a Christian? Well, friends, Jesus was raised and born to Jewish parents, a Jewish mother and a Jewish father. And in the Jewish religion, that would automatically make you part of the Jewish community. And he was brought for circumcision on the eighth day. We read about that in the chapter just preceding what we have been reading and looking at in this passage today. He would have been brought in for that covenant ceremony to be welcomed fully into God's family. And then he would have been raised in a Jewish home. It would mean that Joseph would sit at the head of the table and would come together around the Sabbath season and Sabbath time on, on Friday evening, and they would set aside this time as a family, and Joseph would act as the priest of that family, reliving the moments of the Exodus, reminding them of the importance of Passover each and every time they were gathered together. And he would have been instructed in the Torah, both in his home and in synagogue, where they would regularly attend and be a part each and every Sabbath. They would come together to learn God's word. And as every young man would be, he would be instructed in the word of God in Torah, memorizing large passages of it, if not all of the first five books of the Bible, an important thing for a young man to grow up in a Jewish household. And then he and his family would regularly make their way to the temple for temple festivals. There were a number of festivals that took place throughout the year that would be celebrated by the Jewish community. And some of them really required a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Passover was one of them. A time when Jews from all around the community would make their way to Jerusalem to come and bring an offering at the temple, a sacrifice made for them there. It was part of life. It was part of their custom. That's what they did because, my friends, Jesus was Jewish. And this is how any Jewish young person would be raised. And it continued on for him because here as we encounter him in this story, it's kind of unique that the only time we hear about Jesus after his circumcision and being brought to the temple there immediately is 12 years later when Jesus is 12 years of age. Now that's significant, friends, because at 12 years of age as a young man growing up in the Jewish faith, Jesus would be close to that time known as bar mitzvah. 
It was the time of being welcomed fully as an adult member of the Jewish community. There would be an examination that would take place before all of the gathered people in the synagogue where he would be asked to read and given his first opportunity to read Holy Scripture before the people. This is the time of life when Jesus comes to the temple with his family at the age of 12. An important rite of passage in the Jewish faith. And then weakly making his way to synagogue. You see, we discover even later on in Jesus' life that it was Jesus' practice to make his way to synagogue every Sabbath. That was his practice. That's what he did. Every day, every week was a time set aside for the Lord on the Sabbath for them to gather together in the synagogue in whatever community they were to come together to pray and to listen to God's word spoken to them and to hear a message of interpreting that word for them and for the building up of the community and the gathering of them together weekly in the synagogue. Friends, Jesus was a Jew. And in the Jewish faith, all of these things were important on so many levels. A time of being in worship in your home, a time of being in worship weekly in the synagogue, and a time of coming to the temple to encounter God in his power and majesty and bring sacrifice for him. And we discover at the end of this story that Jesus was very at home there. Jesus was at home in his father's house. There's this interesting story that goes on here where, as you heard, Jesus is left behind in Jerusalem. Now we, in our modern minds, can think to ourselves, oh my goodness, how on earth do you leave a child behind for three days? What kind of parents were Joseph and Mary? Well, it's not meant to be any kind of an indictment towards Joseph and Mary. It would be common for them to be a part of a large group that would be making their way there. They were a community together, and they would keep track of each other's children. That's what community does together. So it's not altogether odd that they would lose track of young Jesus, especially at the age of 12 when he would be expected to be operating rather independently. They make their way back to find Jesus. And where do they find Jesus? They find Jesus back in the temple courts speaking with the elders and leaders there, engaging in a mature conversation about the Torah, asking questions, being asked questions himself and being given answers to these things. And they were astounded at Jesus' knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures. And he speaks to his parents as they ask him, we have been anxiously searching for you. Why, Jesus? Why did you do this to us? And he says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house. Jesus was at home in his father's house. The place of worship. The gathering together of God's people. And friends, there's something that we are called to learn from this. We are called to be at home in God's house as well with Jesus. There were two aspects to this life of worship in particular. There was worship in the temple and there was worship in the synagogue. 
As I mentioned before, temple was the place where they would come for regular festivals to bring forward an offering, an offering that would then be sacrificed by the priests. And that was priestly business, not business for the common people. Only very special people set aside could come and bring that offering before the Lord. Others were excluded and not allowed to be in there. It was a special holy thing for God's holy people and the priesthood. But then in the synagogue, they would gather together as community in prayer. The word could be read by any adult male within that community. The message could be brought by any one of the elders or those who were a part of the community. It didn't have to be by the head rabbi or the leader of the community. It could be by anyone within that community. They shared together in God's word, in worship and in prayer and in praise. Does it sound familiar? Because the combination of those two things are very much what we are called to be and do as followers of Jesus. So how is this important? Why is it important that followers of Jesus are at home with him in the gathering and fellowship of his people in worship? Why does that make a difference And here's why, friends, because God desires the very best for you. I know that can be hard for us to believe. Sometimes in our journeys of life, we get the impression that God is against us, that God is the God who stands over us, wagging his finger at everything bad that we do, rather than understanding him as a good, good father. The kind of father that Jesus invited his disciples to pray to with the words, Our Father, He invited those people to come into that community as God desires the very best for you. And the best for you comes through his son, Jesus. And knowing Jesus is to have a relationship with Jesus that is deeply personal and deeply communal. It is both, friends. A relationship with Jesus is both a personal journey of Jesus being at home in your heart the Savior of you personally, who loves you, who has rescued you from your sin, who you worship and pray to, and he hears you, and he loves you, and he knows you and calls you by name. It is a personal relationship that you are called into with Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for wanting such good for us. But it is also being called into a community a community of faith, a fellowship and gathering of believers that the Bible calls the church. And it's just a fancy term for the gathering, those who are called out into a gathering together, the ecclesia. And it's very similar to the term synagogue, which was also a gathering in the Jewish community. We take our place from deep, deep roots, friends. And these roots are both a personal relationship with God and a community relationship with God. We are called to be at home with Jesus as he makes his home in our hearts, both personally and communally. And it's meant to be all about Jesus. And this is where I come back to that Back to Church Sunday. Why is it that more and more people in filling out surveys through Barna and other 
organizations that do these types of surveys. When asked what their religion or affiliation is, they answer with the word none. None. Are these people who have never been to church? Some. But many are those who have become de-churched, who have left the community of believers for a myriad of reasons, many, many different reasons. We must own those reasons and seek to learn those reasons as well. But we must be aware, first of all, in our own lives, how this call into a relationship with Jesus, where God desires the very best for us, is personal and communal. And too often we fall into a ditch on one side or the other. We could fall into a personal ditch. A ditch where we are fiercely independent. It's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. There are many factors in our culture that influence, influence us in that direction, that call for us to be rugged individualists. Pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. Be your own man. Be your own woman. Move forward in your own strength and confidence. Yes, I can do it. It's me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else. And we seek Jesus without his community. And it becomes about my comfort. Well, I don't want to get up so early in the morning. I don't want to go and be around those other hypocrites. I just want what I want. I want the style of music that I like. Or, or I want to be around people who are like me. And, and I'm tired of people who judge me and see me in all kinds of different ways. So I don't want to be around those people. I'm good enough. Just me and Jesus. That's all I need. We get hooked on my personal comfort. And it also becomes an issue of my theology. Theology is just the knowledge of God. And the fact of the matter is, every human being is a theologian in one way or another. Everybody has some idea about who God is and what God has come to do. It might be fleeting, it might be deep, but whatever it is, it is not meant to be done alone. Because when we try to come up with a theology of God that is alone, it's remarkable how much Jesus looks like me. We craft God in our own image, to our own preferences. And amazingly, he seems to agree with everything that we think is significant and purposeful. And he seems to avoid talking to us about anything that we might feel disagreeable or uncomfortable about. That's making the faith too personal, friends. We are meant to have a personal heart-to-heart -heart relationship with Jesus, but that does not happen alone. It happens in community, like we are gathered here together today. But here's the other side of the coin. Sometimes we have a community relationship with Jesus, and we have no personal relationship with him. Sometimes we make it all about our church and our preferences. What are the things that we like to do? What are the things that we find important? What are our own personal preferences and biases that have nothing to do with a focus on Jesus and everything to do with a focus on what we like? Our preferences can become a ditch. 
And dare I say, so can our politics. Now, friends, those of you who know me or who are getting to know me know I am about as apolitical as you will find. But I know that as I look out across this room, there are people from every different background and every different part of the political spectrum. And Lord, any time, my friends, that we commit to some particular political bent or another and declare that as being our preference, we're not focusing on Jesus. We're focusing instead on what it is that we like and what we prefer and figure that others should prefer as well. And that then also moves along to our prejudices. Our prejudices. A survey was done a number of years ago that was very eye-opening. There's a question and a survey done of thousands of congregations all across the United States of every different background, Roman Catholic to Assemblies of God to Baptist, you name it, and everything in between. And the question that was asked was to give some statistics about just how multi-ethnic those congregations were. Do you want to know who finished dead last in being multi-ethnic? Lutherans. Dead last. Why is that? I think part of it has to do with us deciding that our preferences, our politics, our prejudices, the things that we do and the way in which we do them must be the way that everybody does them and you had better adapt to us when you come here. May it not be so, friends, because while we should enjoy the fellowship that God calls us into, while it should be welcome and open to everyone, it must be centered and focused on Jesus, and that is both a personal relationship with him as well as a corporate relationship with him. To not understand the personal Jesus, the Jesus who opens up the word to us through his Holy Spirit that challenges us That when we are in community with one another, we are in community and worship of the one and only true God, the creator of the universe, the savior of all humanity, who has some things to say to you and me, and it might make us uncomfortable. But that's what the community is about. So that we can struggle, we can wrestle with these things. We can wrestle with our differences. We can experience the fact that we may not all see everything exactly the same way, But can we see Jesus together? Can we focus on him together and in our lives personally? God desires the very best for you. He desires the very best for us. And he desires the very best for those who are not yet among us. And if we lose our focus on Jesus, we've lost everything. And as I said, while there are a myriad of reasons why people no longer want to be associated or connected with a faith body, the reality is some of those reasons are things that we have brought upon ourselves. Some of those things are barriers that we have put up in our own hearts. Some of them are ways in which we have treated one another or failed to love one another that are supposed to be a mark of God's people called together. See how they love one another. Not a perfect love, 
because human beings don't ever perfectly love one another, and they don't perfectly love God either, but they can receive the perfect love of God and reflect it back to him in the power of the Holy Spirit and let that love overcome a multitude of sins. The ones that we commit against each other and the ones that the world looks down upon us for. I'm not talking about watering down the gospel. I'm talking about being the living water that should be welling up within each of our hearts to flow out into the land around us, into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into our places of work. The outside into their lives and from the inside of us flowing to the outside so that it can bring hope and love and forgiveness and birth faith in the hearts of people. That's the whole Jesus, friends. Jesus wants us to be at home with him and wants to be at home in us and wants others to be at home here as well. So let me say this to you today. I'm sure there are those who are here today. Perhaps you're making your way back to church or you're just checking things out for the first time. And in the back of your mind is, you know what? The church has hurt me in the past. People around me have said hurtful things to me. Maybe it was a leader. Maybe it was a pastor. And you're here today saying, you know what? I'm going to give the church just one more chance. that's you today and you come into our community, it's important that you hear from real human beings like me and others around you that we're sorry for any time that the church failed you. We apologize for any time that a pastor or a leader hurt you or disappointed you. We ask for your forgiveness and we ask that as you come into this community of grace, you would allow that same grace to flow over you that flows over us in all of our failures and in all of our humanity. Because yes, we will certainly disappoint you again, but Jesus never will. And as we come together into this place, it is our hope that our focus is always on Jesus, the living Jesus. Jesus, the one who died on a cross, the one who was raised to new life on the third day and now sits at the right hand of the Father. That Jesus, who is now present here with us in our community because he promised that wherever two or more were gathered, he would be there with them. Right now, we are on holy ground as unholy as we may feel, is Jesus himself who comes to join us together into his body, to build us together into a temple where he can reside, a temple of people. That is his body. So as I close here with us today, I want to close with a prayer on behalf of all of us here, a prayer, again, of confession and repentance before the Lord and before one another, that we would start this new sermon series in this new year, coming back to church, coming back to Jesus, confessing where it is that we have failed and asking for God's grace that we can move forward in his power and in his love to be a testimony to the rest of the world. Would you join me in prayer, friends? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We come here together, Lord, as, as broken people, every one of us, Lord. We're not here, Lord, because we have it all figured out and we have it all together. We're here because we're broken. We're here because we need you. We're here because we need one another as your body, each member doing its part and following after you, Jesus, the head, the leader, the one whom we are all called to follow, our master and our Lord. We bend a knee to you, Jesus, and we confess in the places where we have failed, Lord, where we have failed to live as a people of grace, where we have failed to share the truth of who you are, Jesus, and to live it out in our community around us, where we have failed to be the leaders in our households, where we have failed to pass on this gift, this treasure of the faith to our children, to our grandchildren, to our neighbors, Lord. Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, would you make this place, this community of grace, truly a place where grace is felt and known and where many are able to come through these doors and know that they are coming home to you, Jesus. We ask for your grace and your mercy in all of this, Lord. Teach us as we walk and follow you in all things. And all God's people said, amen. Continue in